Hey guys, welcome to the C1 Church Podcast. I pray that this message encourages you, builds your faith, and helps you go after Jesus. If you'd like more information about C1 Church, please go to our website at c1.church. Enjoy the message and be blessed. This mighty name of Jesus has full authority over every circumstance represented in this, in this room. I don't care what you're going through. God has authority over it. And I believe he's here to meet with you in the midst of it. And all we have to do is turn our affection to him. So often we take and turn our affection to other things. And that's called misplaced worship. But when we turn our affection to Christ, we discover that he is with us. He is for us, and that in the presence of God, there is fullness of joy. And I believe that God is here to meet with us today. As I was praying down there, I felt like the Lord said, I'm raising up an army that has my heart, that has my heart. It's not religious, but they have my heart. And I believe that's what God's wanting to do today. He wants to do heart surgery. He wants to transplant and get rid of religion out of us. Get rid of legalism. Get rid of things that pull our affection away from him and give us his heart. His heart for worship. His heart for people. His heart to see his kingdom come and his will be done on earth as it is in heaven, his heart. Father, I pray right now that you have your way today. That those that are numbered here and that are gonna watch online, let us be a part of this army that you're raising up, that has your heart, that goes after your heart. Oh God, and I pray that even today that you do heart surgery in us that you remove through your word and worship, that you remove the old hearts of stone or walls that we built up, tear them down and put a new heart in us that we might truly be who you called us to be. Holding nothing back from your will, holding nothing back from what you want on earth. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. You may be seated. In the vein of continuing my tradition to share a joke with you at the beginning of my message, I've been listening to jokes. And uh, this guy, he was driving, and this cop pulled him over, and he said, Sir, you just won uh, a prize for being uh, a safe driver because you and your passenger here had your seatbelts on. You get $1,000. Our county is giving out um, $10,000 to 10 different drivers, and we just uh, want to congratulate you. That's why I pulled you over. And um, he asked, uh, the officer asked him, he said, what are you going to do with your, your prize money? He said, well, I guess I'm going to go to driving school and get my license. <laughs> and then 
his wife in the passenger seat says, don't listen to him. He's always sassy when he's drunk. <laughs> and then this guy in the back seat popped up and said, and he saw the lights behind him. He said, I knew we wouldn't get far in this stolen car. <laughs> and then the officer heard out of the trunk, this guy yell, are we across the border yet? <laughs> no, I... I'll tell you one more. This one made me laugh really, really bad. But this guy was walking down the sidewalk, and he was walking next to an insane asylum, just crazy people. And I would imagine myself and many of us should probably be in that same place. But um, he walked across, and he kept hearing them go, 13, 13, 13. And they had like a six-foot wall uh and he couldn't see, and he's like, what in the world is going on? They just kept going, 13, 13, 13, 13. And so finally, he's like jumping, trying to see what they're doing. He's like, why are these people just yelling 13? And so he finally found a little slit in this wall so he could look through to see what they're doing. And he, he pops down, and uh, some idiot pokes him in the eye. And then they start yelling, 14, 14, 14. <laughs> 14. Today, we're going to be looking at a couple sections of scriptures. This is not part of any series. Next week, we're going to be launching into a series called Declaration. And the point of that series is we need to be intentional about what we're declaring in this season. The Holy Spirit is in us, and the Word of God is available to us, and it's a beautiful thing when we come into alignment with what God is already saying and what He's already said about us and about people. And so some of us get in the habit about declaring things over our life, and we don't even realize we declare it. Like we'll wake up and just stretch, and like, oh, today's going to be a bad day. Well, you're going to get what you declare. So next week, we're launching to that. Today, we're, we're, we need to talk about something else. The Lord really laid this on my heart this week. And the title of my message is Making Sandwiches. And I think the tragedy in the church today is Christians going their whole life serving Jesus, but not truly knowing what God wants them to do. So we run in a hamster wheel our whole Christian life trying to do things that we think God wants us to do. And today, what I want us to do is look at a pair of sisters, Martha and Mary. And I believe what we're going to discover is we're going to discover the difference between servanthood and friendship. And as we discover this, we're going to discover that a servant is not always a friend, but a friend is always a servant. And we're going to discover what's most important to God. I, I don't want any of us, anyone that calls C1 home, I want us to live and do exactly what God wants us to do. Life is too short wasting our life on things we think God wants us to do that he never asked us to do to begin with. It could be good, 
but it leads to frustration. So let's look in Luke chapter 10. It's a beautiful passage. It says, As Jesus and the disciples continued their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She was making sandwiches. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair that you make that... I can't read. Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come help me. Stop right there for just one second. So often, we're guilty of this. We come to God with what we're doing, and we say, God, bless it. Send help. Instead of finding out what God wants us to do. And in, in that mind, in that mode, Martha is being a servant here. I want you to understand that. She is serving Jesus. But... And her, she starts telling Jesus what to do. And that's kind of a dangerous place to be. First and foremost, how many of us, just by a show of hands, are God? That's right, none of us. But how many of you, by a show of hands, know that Jesus is God? So who do you think has authority to tell who to who? Jesus. So let's, let's keep going. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. I think everyone, let's just say discovered. That's an important word. We need to, we need to chew on that. Discovered. And it will not be taken from her. What do you do when God does not give you the answer you want? When you disagree with God, who's wrong? Yeah. Sometimes that's a hard one to chew on. But Martha is running around. She's doing all this stuff. And I want you to notice, she initiated. She invited Jesus in. Jesus did not ask one thing of Martha. In that whole passage... She didn't ask her to do a single thing. Martha took it upon herself to say, I need to do this for Jesus. I need to do this for Jesus. I need to do this. Oh my goodness, his 12 disciples are here. I got to have everything in order. I got to, I got to, I got to. Maybe that was common amongst the women of the time. But the reality is, Mary discovered what, what, what Jesus wanted which is friendship. And Martha was trying to serve. And she was serving in such a way that Jesus didn't even ask her. And some of us have done that. I'm not saying we're doing it right now. Maybe you are. But some of us run around in a hamster wheel 
and we get frustrated when God doesn't seem to be blessing what we're doing for him. Because he never asked you to do it to begin with. The difference is when, and I'm just going to jump into it. Let's put the first thought up. Friends, Jesus' friends discover what he wants. Jesus straight said, I no longer call you servants, but you are my friends. And then the New Testament over and over again turns around and calls us friends of God. We are friends of God. And here's the thing. Here's the thing that I want us to grab a hold of. Is when you're a friend of God, you end up serving. You end up serving. Because you're a friend. Because that's what friends do. But servants aren't always friends. They're always busy. They're always looking for something to do. They're all, and, and, and some of us need that because that's our personality type. We worry about the details. And this is not a message to say, if you're a person that worries about the details and needs something to do, well, shame on you. No, don't. No, that is not the case. And if you're the person that's like, well, that's right. I like to sit at Jesus' feet and soak it up in your face, people. I told you there is value in this. That's not the point either because um, the point is, Let's focus on Jesus first. Because when, when Jesus tells Mary, when you tell a friend, the, the difference is Martha is doing all this stuff by herself for Jesus. But when you're a friend with Jesus, guess what? He co-labors with you. Martha's making sandwiches for everyone by herself. But when Jesus wants a sandwich, she'll say, come on, Mary, let's, let's go make a sandwich together. Because when you are an intimate relationship with Jesus. When he asks you to do something, he does it with you every single time. Because he looks for ways to co-labor with his children. He doesn't just want you to, to tow it. He, he, doesn't want it. he doesn't ever want you to do something alone. He constantly says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. He, like, he says, get up under this thing with me. Let's walk it out together. And Jesus' friends discover what he wants. Mary discovered, Jesus said, she has discovered what's more important here. It's not letting your, your, your head spin and, and worrying, and, and it's literally just sitting at Jesus' feet waiting for him to give instruction. Some of us like, oh, that, that, that would eat me alive. But it would be so healthy if we just chilled out and said, Jesus, what do you want? What do you want? Because we see Martha running around doing all these things, all these things, and Jesus didn't ask for a single one of them. But they were good things. Is it good to feed his disciples? Is it good to be a good host? Is it good? Absolutely. It is good. Like if someone came to my house, I want to be the best host ever. I would go out of my way to serve them. But at the same time, they might not even want that. And, and, and let me give you a practical example here. Friends discover what Jesus wants. And over the years in ministry, I've gotten... Um, a lot of gifts given to me. And I'm not saying that I don't like gifts. I'm saying I love gifts. So if you want, if the Lord's laying on your heart, please. Um, <laughs> I love them. I'm not saying that. 
But I want to tell you there is a difference between people who are my friends that give me gifts and people who are they're, they're friendly and we know each other and all that. But there, there's a difference. Because my friends know the intricacies of my life and my heart. And so when they give and they do something for me, it's out of that relationship. And, and for instance, um, before we left Sedalia, we, we didn't know for sure that my daughter had a peanut allergy. But we knew that she, she's been having allergic attacks to peanuts. Anytime we got around it, and we, we had this thing called pastor appreciation, and that's awesome. I love it. I feel so humbled when that month rolls around. But um, the church knows that Amy and I love the outdoors. We, Amy would actually sleep outside 24 hours if, if she could tan all the time. She is more outdoorsy in that sense than me. Me, I, I just want the mountains all the time. But with that said, they know that we like the outdoors. They know like outdoor stuff comes with like trail mix and everything like that. But at the same time, we're discovering that my daughter can't be around nuts. I know everyone goes, oh, nuts. And so we don't keep that stuff in our house. But people that know us, but they weren't intimate with us, they would get us trail mix and stuff like that. Good things. I love trail mix. I love it all. Like, there's not a trail mix that I don't like. But my friends, they would say, okay, we know that his daughter has a nut allergy, so let's pick something that he could take hiking, but it won't affect his daughter's health. And they would give me, like, beef jerky or something like that. And, and what I'm getting at is, A friend discovers what a person truly wants because they know them. They spend time with them. They get to know what is going on in their life. And Martha was running around worried about all the details that she didn't need to be worried about. Jesus would have rather her be sitting right beside her sister at his feet listening because the difference was Martha was listening to her own thoughts and Mary was listening to Jesus' thoughts and there's a vast difference between my thoughts and Jesus' thoughts and the only way we can learn Jesus' thoughts is by chilling out slowing down opening the word, spending time in prayer, meditating. Yeah, I said it, meditating. Be still, just being still before God. You know, some of us, like, we should meditate on the word of God. We should meditate. And, and that, that word has a lot of different meanings, so I'm going to define it. Eastern meditation is to empty yourself. That is actually very bad. Don't do that. Like when you see people like Hindus and Buddhists and they meditate, they're trying to empty themselves. Well, the problem is when you empty yourself, something's going to fill you up. So it's actually very demonic. Western meditation is to empty your mind. Biblical meditation is to think about Scripture. Biblically, 
when throughout scripture, when it talks about meditate on the Lord, it's for me in this season, it's the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leads me beside still waters. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness. Like that is biblical meditation. It's over. It's, it, it might be your favorite verse. It, for, it, it might be trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not in your own understanding. It, like whatever it is, that's biblical meditation. It's over. And when you see, if you ever see pictures of the Welling Wall in Jerusalem and you see people kind of like doing this back and forth and they actually have boxes of scripture on their forehead and, and they're just kind of, they, they look and they're mouthing something. They're, they're actually quoting scripture over and over and over and over. And it's actually one of the oldest forms of meditation. And it was established by God in the Old Testament. And it was to get the word of God in them. It's to, to fix their thoughts on who God is. And that's how we learn the heart of God. It, it fixes our, our, our eyes, not on the details, but on who Jesus is. And, and Jesus' friends, because he calls us friends, discover what he wants. And we discover what he wants by knowing who he is. And we know who he is by spending time with him. And, and this, this can't be overstated. I think it's such a tragedy so many of us go around doing things for God that he never asks us to do. And it leads to Martha's attitude. God, why don't you send help? Man, that person over there, they're just, you know, they don't do jack squat. You know, like, I would, I would ask is, is that, is that something that Ryan, is this something... This is a conversation with myself. Ryan, is this something that God asked me to do? Or is this something that Ryan asked me to do for God? Because there's a vast difference. One, God will bless. One, Ryan will get frustrated. Every single time. And in the coming season here at C1, we have got to be very intentional that we do the things that God wants us to do so we're not just on the hamster wheel. Jesus' friends discover what he wants. Jesus' friends, the second thought, Jesus' friends are always at his feet, not at his hands. People always want something out of Jesus' hands. The crowd's Follow Jesus throughout the gospel, trying to get something out of Jesus' hands. They, they, uh, Jesus multiplied a snackable, fed fifteen to 20,000 people, 5,000 men. The women weren't included. What's interesting about that story is the very person that gave the lunch to Jesus to multiply the little boy wasn't even included in the number. God uses people that people write off all the time. So if you feel like you're getting written off by life, God's, you're in a prime spot for God to start using you and but in that what I'm saying is he fed the multitudes twice both times they came back the next day and they said give us a sign and not just that he not only fed them it says that he healed all their sick as he's feeding them so it was a full day of ministry for Jesus and he's healing their sick he's casting out demons the disciples are passing out food and it just keeps passing out and keeps passing out till everyone is satisfied and they had enough food for the disciples to eat even afterwards 
And the next day they're asking for a sign. Jesus, give us a sign that you're the Messiah. He's like, I'm not going to give you a sign. Like, if you don't like what I just did, you're, you're not going to see a sign even if I gave it to you. And, but people are always wanting something out of his hands. But it's always, a feet, it's, it's, it's always the people that fall at his feet that actually get God's attention. And we need, to, we need to understand this. Like Martha, she was trying to give something to Jesus' hands. She was trying to serve. But Mary, Mary found the favor of God by sitting at his feet. It's not just Mary. This is like when Peter, Peter, um, he's fished all night, didn't catch a single thing. Jesus says, hey, can I use your boat to teach? He teaches. Then he says, hey, let's go out and fish. And he's like, Jesus, I fished all night, didn't catch anything, but because you asked, I'm going to do it. He goes out, he fishes, he catches such a load that his boat starts to sink. Then James and John come over, and their boat starts to sink. I mean, there's a lot of fish going on. Peter sees the miracle. After he, it says he falls at Jesus' feet, and he says, away from me, I'm a sinful man. I, I, he's like, I see that you're a man of God. Don't, don't come near me. And Jesus says, uh, you're not going to rub off on me. I'm going to rub off on you. Come with me and be a fisherman. It wasn't until Peter fell at Jesus' feet that God called him. It wasn't until the lepers fell at Jesus' feet that they got healed. It wasn't until the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of his garment at his feet that she got healed. I mean, I, over and over, the woman with the, that, that was caught in adultery thrown at Jesus' feet. And guess what? He says, Neither do I condemn you. It's always at the feet of Jesus that gets his attention. It's always. We so often, Jesus, I need this. And there's nothing wrong with praying, asking the Lord. He, he tells us to, even in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread. But are we spending time at his feet? Are we spending time in, in, in humility? Are we spending time in worship? Over and over and over, demonized men would come and fall at Jesus' feet. And he would set them free. All the things that we want from God, they're found in humility at his feet. But too often, we don't want to bow. Too often we don't want to sit. Too often we're too busy with all the details just to sit at the feet of Jesus. But Jesus' friends are always at his feet, learning him, discovering all of his goodness. Let me tell you, we could sit at the feet of Jesus for all eternity and we won't even scratch the surface of his goodness and his mercy and his grace because he's an infinite God and he gives infinitely. But it's at his feet. But we, so often, I know myself, I am so often get caught up in all the details and I forget to sit at his feet. I get caught up in the Olympics get caught up in all the little things that life has to offer and I forget to sit at the feet of Jesus. But Jesus' friends are always at his feet. The disciples sat at his feet and they learned. And the very things that we're wanting God to do and to give us 
out of his hands. They're found at his feet. It's, it's, it's crazy. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble, but he opposes the proud. If we're so proud that we just can't humble ourselves before God, we're never going to get the things we pray for. And then we're going to make up reasons why God's not answering our prayer. You know, Jesus never had an unanswered prayer in all the Gospels. But we have whole theologies why God doesn't answer our prayer. The difference is Jesus spent time at the Father's feet. He says, I don't say anything the Father. He says, I only say what the Father tells me to say, and I only do what the Father tells me to do. How did he know? Because he spent time at the Father's feet. After he fed the multitudes, he went up on a mountain alone. Before he picked the disciples, he went up on a mountain alone. He got alone with God regularly. He was constantly alone with God. He lived a life of bowing before the Father's feet. Jesus' friends are always at his feet. Mary discovered, Mary discovered something. And Jesus said, you can worry about all the details, Martha, but I'm not going to take this away from Mary because she discovered what's more important. And it was found at his feet, listening to Jesus. And honestly, what's really cool is Mary actually had a habit of this. This wasn't the first time that Mary is found at Jesus' feet. This is a lifestyle that Mary lived. And there's a lesson here. But in Matthew 26, 6 through 13, Mark 14, 3 through 9, Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50, and John 12, 1 through 8, which I'm going to read John 12, 1 through 8 real quick. But we're going to discover. It says, six days before Passover celebration, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus. So Lazarus was Mary and Martha's brother. And... Um, the man he raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus' honor. Martha served. There she is doing. She's, she's operating in her gift, but she's always just serving. And Lazarus was among those with him. We know that Simon the leper was with them too. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from the essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, The perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money been given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor. He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. He's talking to the disciples at that moment because he knows that he's about to be taken back to heaven. This is the last Passover they're going to have before he's crucified. And this is kind of a, a cool moment because we see Mary 
doing what Mary does. She's at his feet. Not just at his feet. This is something that she would have gave to a husband one day. This is something that a, a, almost like a dowry is worth a year's wage. And if you average out the average, like here in the United States, the average income uh, is like fifty to $60,000 that she just dumped on Jesus' feet. And then Luke tells us that she cried on his feet, wiped his feet with her hair, and then she kissed his feet. And let me tell you, when you're a friend with Jesus, people will always make fun of your extravagant worship. But friends of Jesus don't care. She did it anyways. And his very disciples were saying, that, that's kind of a waste. And Jesus is like, when you're worshiping God, nothing's a waste. Leave her alone. Which is interesting. You know, there's only a few things found in all four Gospels. The resurrection of Christ is found in all four Gospels. The feeding of the 5,000 men is found in all four Gospels. And Mary wiping Jesus' feet with her hair is found in all four Gospels. And Matthew and Mark's account of this, it says, wherever the Gospel is preached, this will be told. Because Mary discovered something. And it was found at Jesus' feet. She discovered friendship. She discovered this is where life is at. She discovered this is how we worship in humility. She discovered this is not about me or my. It's all about him. It was found at his feet. And the last thought I want to give you real quick. Friends of Jesus don't have it together. If you think Mary had her life together, you would be wrong. She didn't. And if you're trying to be perfect before a perfect God, good luck. You're like, oh, I haven't sinned in a long time. Pride much? There it is. Oh, man. Now you have to repent of that. It's the sins that aren't visible that we really got to look out for. It's easy to see drunkenness and drug addiction and all that and think, oh, we're good. But, you know, when, when Paul was talking about sin in the Christian's heart, he used one that you couldn't see. He said envy. Because those are the ones that really get us. It's the ones that we can't see. And Jesus' friends don't have it together. I'm going to read real quick Luke's account. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down. With, with a, when a certain immoral woman from the city heard he was eating there, um, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. We know that's nard from John's account. She knelt before him at his feet, weeping. Her tears, her tears fell on his feet. She wiped them off with her hair. She kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisees who invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Now, Matthew and Mark's account, we understand that this guy's name is Simon. Well, 
Here it says he's a Pharisee, but Matthew and Mark call him out. His name is Simon the leper. Simon the leper. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. <laughs> Jesus, he answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. This is in Luke 7, 36 through 50. Then Jesus told him a story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to another, but neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one whom, for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, so he's looking at the woman, and he's talking to Simon. Look at this woman kneeling here. She entered your home. You didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she washed them off with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to this woman, your sins are forgiven. The men at the table said among themselves, who is this man that he goes around forgiving sins? And Jesus said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Mary discovered something. She discovered the grace and the goodness of God. And she says, as long as Jesus is around, I'm going to be at her feet. I'm going to be at his feet. I'm going to bow before him all the days of my life. I'm going to worship him extravagantly. I'm going to listen to every word that comes out of his mouth. And I'm going to do everything that he says. She discovered something. She didn't have it together. She didn't do things out of spite. But she remembered how much God has saved her from. She discovered the goodness of God. And she says, I'll never leave this place of worship. She won't do it. The details will take care of themselves because there's always going to be Martha's in this world. But I think the challenge today is for us to be like Mary. Mary to get back to the feet of Jesus. To remember how much he has saved us. I think it's a scary thing when we have Christians going around. I, I heard this week about a pastor and, and his ministry. They had a person that was far from Jesus come in and they, and they literally said to someone on their staff, I don't know if Jesus could even forgive them. And it hit me so hard. I just, I, I don't normally want to punch pastors. It would be love, though. I would punch them in love. But I just, it made me think, like, 
We have people, though, that have forgotten how much God has saved them because they've been in the church for so long. They've gotten used to all the religion, gotten used to all the rigmarole. We've gotten used to, we've almost made it into a tradition. And uh, uh, this is a habit. It's Sunday morning. I go to church. It's, I, I read my Bible. And we've forgotten the grace. We've forgotten. We've been saved for so long, we forgot what Jesus saved us from. And Mary, it's not that we need to feel condemned, but she remembered God has saved me by so much, and I'll never let my worship not reflect his grace, not reflect his mercy. She discovered something that we need to discover, and it's found at Jesus' feet. We need to fall back in love with Jesus. We need to say, Jesus, whatever you want, I'm game. God, whatever you want to do, I'm, I'm here to listen. I don't want to bring my agenda to you and say, bless it. I want to learn your agenda and do it. There's a vast difference. Mary was discovering what he was already blessing. Martha was trying to get Jesus to bless something else. What has God already blessed in your life? Get more of that. Don't run away from it. Don't forget the wonder of your salvation. Don't forget how good God is. Don't forget how amazing He is. Don't forget. Don't forget. In this season to come, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to, get, to, to, to stay busy, to worry about the details. And in those moments, stop. Pray. And get to Jesus' feet. In the seasons to come, there's going to be a lot of opportunities to pretend you have it all together. To put on a facade in front of all your friends and family and all that stuff, especially around the holidays. Stop. Don't. Be real. Mary didn't put on a facade. She came and bowed before Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Because she remembered how much he had forgiven. You might say, well, Ryan, I, I don't really have a cool testimony. God didn't really forgive much out of my life, you know. Well, the reality is, I don't care if you only ever said a white lie. That will send you straight to the pit of hell. So, we all have been forgiven much. And so today, honestly, what, what I want to do is, as Pastor Ben comes and he leads, I want us, we're, I'm going to be up here, I'm going to pray with you if you need prayer for anything, but I, I really want us to get back to the feet of Jesus, to really say, Jesus, have I been doing things that you didn't ask me to do? Have I been on a hamster wheel in my Christian walk? And if so, forgive me and help me bow at your feet. Help me to do what you want me to do. Let's ask those questions. Because God wants to grow his church. God wants to raise his church up. God wants to reach the lost. But he's only going to bless what he tells us to do. And the only way we're going to discover what he wants us to do 
It's by getting at his feet again. Maybe that's a place where you haven't been in a while. Well, don't make it awkward. God's not going to make it awkward. When you bow at his feet and it's been a while, guess what he does? He gets down with you and he hugs you and he loves you. He says, I'm here. Let's talk. He's not up in heaven going, well, 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 look who's back. That's not God. He's saying, oh, I've been waiting. I love you so much. Let's rediscover what Mary discovered. The beauty of just bowing and being with Jesus at his feet. And in those moments, we discover what he wants us to do. We discover that he's with us and he works through us and he works with us when we do what he tells us to do. So let's stand. I'm going to pray. If you have a need, I'm going to be up here to pray with you. But what I really would like us to do is say, God, I'm here. I'm going to bow at your feet. Use me. Do what you want. Tell me what you want me to do. Discover that again. You don't have to have it together. You don't have to have it together. Who cares um, what people think about your worship? You worship Jesus extravagantly because he saved you from much. And man, if you're here and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're like, Ryan, this, this whole talk sounds good. But like, I'm, I'm, I'm that... I'm that person before <laughs> before they discovered all this. I'm, I'm, I'm still out of relationship. If, if that's you, if you've never said, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Come be Lord and Savior. I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose again. If you never made that confession with your mouth, I'm going to be up here. And I would love to introduce you to Jesus. And maybe you have made that confession, but you really haven't been living for him. You've been doing your own thing. You've been running hard from him. You, you've been kind of living your own life, and, and, and you haven't given Jesus second thought. You, he hasn't been Lord of your life. He's been kind of like that book on the shelf, that he's there. But, um, yeah, if that's you, I'd love to pray with you. How can we realign? How can we remake Jesus on the throne of our life. I believe it's found at his feet, humbly bowing. And how do we humbly bow in a situation like this? Well, first, I think it's, if he's telling you to come pray at an altar or kneel at your seat, you do it. You just listen to the Holy Spirit. If he's saying, pray, you pray, you bow before him. You let him dictate what you want him to do. If he's saying, hey, I want you to go up front and get prayer, you do it. That, 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 that shows submission. And guess what? There's going to be fear. What will people think? What, what will, what's going on here? Or, or, I don't know. I don't know this place. Well, there's always going to be that fear. But walking in obedience to God is, is the greater, the greater thing to do. So what we're going to do is we're going to respond how God wants us to respond and say, maybe it's just, I'm going to worship. I'm going to sing out. I'm going to, I'm going to align my heart through worship. That's okay. But what I want us to do is to do it out of obedience to what the Holy Spirit's laying on your heart to do.
and he's speaking to every one of us differently. Some of us need to bow and pray. Some of us need to repent. Some of us need to come forward. Some of us need to worship. But do what the Lord tells you to do. Don't let fear reign in this moment. Holy Spirit, I pray against all fear. Lord, I just release your, your presence and obedience, Lord, to do what you tell us to do. In the name of Jesus. Amy and I will be up here if you need prayer.
to cover sin Ooh, no greater love have I ever known you consider me a friend spread wide spread wide in the arms of sin no greater love yeah no greater love have I ever known you consider me a friend capture my heart again 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 capture my heart again daughters but that we can be friends that we can have such a friendship and, and, and an intimacy with you Lord I pray right now for your church that you go before us Lord I know that you do open up doors that need to be open and close doors that need to be closed in each and every person Father I speak blessing over your church Lord bless their comings and goings Lord Jesus, I pray that you bless them as they raise up in the morning, bless them as they, they lay down at night and watch over them during the night in the name of Jesus. I pray right now that you will open doors for them to share your goodness, to share your faithfulness, open doors for them to show how much you've done for them to their neighbors who are far from you, to their friends that are far from you. And Lord, I pray that you open doors that people who are far from you and each and every one of our lives will come to relationship with you through what you're doing in us and through the gospel at work in us. Holy Spirit, have your way. Pour yourself out on us. Let us have a boldness that, that we can't contain. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. I love you guys.